Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this podcast. What's it like to have your own radio show on both ESPN and Sirius XM? We'll talk about that and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 34 of The Bridge. (laughs) Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of The Bridge Sports Podcast coming to you Wednesday or Thursday nights each week. We've got another great show planned for this week. You could view it as a part two of sorts based on the guest that I will be speaking to a little bit later in the show. Before I get into that, however, let me run through some housekeeping items with you once again. The Bridge now has its own call number, and if you don't have that memorized or put into your phone already, let me refresh your memory. You can call or text into the show at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Feel free to leave a voicemail or send in a text with your questions, comments, opinions, or hot takes, and the good ones will get read and possibly answered on air. We had several calls and texts come in for this show. Some great questions were posed for this week's guest, and you'll hear those in just a minute. You can also subscribe to the Bridge newsletter, which will be a weekly email sent out with some of the different show notes from that week's episode, as well as possible future guests and some behind the scenes things that you might not find on my website or on iTunes. You can find that at londonbridge.com email. It's a really quick sign up your name, your email, and you'll be on the newsletter list and we'll be able to keep track of everything that The Bridge has to offer. You can also find the show on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast or by searching for John Lund under Artists. Please rate, please review, please leave some nice comments and take a look at some of the previous shows if you might have missed them. I believe that's all I have for housekeeping items at the moment. Now on to this week's guest. As I mentioned, this week is a part two, if you will, piggybacking off of the interview I was lucky enough to be able to do last week. In last week's show, I interviewed Mike Babchek, the co-host of The Morning Men on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, weekdays 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It was an incredible interview. It was great insight to some of the different things that he's gone through throughout his career and does with the show to make it as great of a success as it has been. We heard some great input from some of the loyal listeners of The Morning Men, and I'm lucky enough to be able to speak to his co-host, the great Evan Cohen. 
who, along with serving as a co-host for The Morning Men, also has built an incredibly successful radio career before that, starting with Good Karma Brands, which has ESPN radio stations in several different types of markets. He has a two-hour radio program, The Evan Cohen Show, on ESPN West Palm. That's from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, with different hosts, somewhat of a different format because of the ESPN platform being a little bit different than the Sirius XM platform, but the man has spent the majority of his life in the radio industry, in the broadcasting industry, and it was a pleasure to speak with him about some of the different things that he's gone through, how he got his start, how he was able to land both of these jobs and really live a dream that he had in his mind since the age of nine years old, which we'll get into in a little bit. But if you haven't already, I highly recommend listening to my interview with Mike Babchek. You can do that at londonbridge.com slash Babs. That's B-A-B-S. And it will really help serve as a great basis for what makes the morning men on Mad Dog Sports Radio, what goes into some of the different things that they do on a daily basis, and what makes them really one of the most fun shows that you'll find on your dial. You can also follow Evan on Twitter at Evco Radio. That's E-V-C-O Radio, R-A-D-I-O. If you do so, you might notice that his Twitter description is a little bit different than most, and we'll get into that later on in the interview, so stay tuned for that. Without further ado, let's get into that interview. I'm here with Evan Cohen. He is the co-host of The Morning Men on Mad Dog Sports Radio each weekday from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. He is also the director of content development for Good Karma Brands, which has ESPN radio stations in several different markets. He has a two-hour radio show on ESPN West Palm from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and he's been kind enough to join us on the show. Sir, how are you today? John, doing very well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you. Very excited to get to talk some sports radio with you. My hope is to take some things big picture, focus on some smaller things like a Polaroid picture, to quote Outcast, and I'll try to guide the ship for us. I've heard many bits and pieces about your career in broadcasting from listening to your shows. We've covered some of that in that mouthful of an introduction, but I wanted to put all of those pieces together and have you take us through some of the different chapters of how you got to where you are today. For starters, many broadcasters don't necessarily figure out what they want to do and if they want to take that broadcasting path until adulthood, but that was something that you ended up figuring out at an early age growing up in New York. So I was wondering if you could take us back to those early stages when you first decided that you wanted to get into broadcasting and how that passion started to develop as you moved through college and beyond. Sure. So when I was nine years old, I started listening to Mike and the Mad Dog and WFAN in New York, and that was, to me, so eye-opening that this is a profession, this is a living. These two individuals were unbelievable in what they were doing. They would argue, they would agree, they would interview, they would disagree, they would just have an amazing back and forth for five and a half hours every day, and I was just captivated by that. I mean, I built my life and my schedule in many ways around that. And I credit my family, my parents, my grandparents, my sister, all for enabling that to happen and allowing that to happen and understanding that this was, even at nine years old, my passion. And that I was a consumer of radio as much as I possibly could be. And I think that from Mike and the Mad Dog, it grew to Howard Stern. And I would listen to both of those shows pretty religiously 
as much as I possibly could. And then I really credit my parents and my dad specifically on just understanding, okay, if this is what my son wants to get into, let me do the best that I can at providing information as to what he's walking into. So my parents really did a good job of making sure I understood broadcasting is not necessarily the most lucrative profession upon entrance. It's not always going to be the best hours, and it's not always going to be in the biggest and best cities. But if you're willing to work, there seems to be a path to success. And so I understood that at a very young age and was completely unafraid of going to what some would consider the middle of nowhere. I happen to be lucky and then I have great people around me every day and I'm around great people and then I don't really consider myself as having gone to the middle of nowhere. I started interning when I was in high school at different sports marketing companies. When I got to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I immediately got involved with the student newspaper and student radio and there was a guy by the name of Pete Hoff, who I'm still friends with to this day, in Madison who took me under his wing and really showed me the ropes in terms of here's what we're doing in terms of student radio and teaching me and great people around us. And was able to have an opportunity, you know, at an early age in Madison, 18, 19, 20 years old, to work with people like Matt LePay and Mike Lucas, who I would say are the best broadcast team, in my opinion, for play-by-play in all of college sports. They did the basketball and still do the basketball and football, and I interned for them. Everywhere they went, I went. And during the summers, I would intern at ABC Sports Public Relations, NBC Sports Public Relations, WFAN Radio in New York, and just really just wanted to consume as much as I possibly consumed and learn as much as I possibly could. And by the time that I was done with college, I was lucky enough to get an offer at ESPN Radio in Madison, Wisconsin, which was a clear channel station. And I had an opportunity to do a lot of different things there and learn from a lot of people and be around a lot of people, including still one of my close friends, Dan Beyer, who works for Fox Sports Radio as part of the Jay Moore Show. We work together on a regular basis and just being around great people. And then I just stumbled into something amazing in that Craig Carmazin and Steve Paulciner, president and vice president of Good Karma Brands, a company that I still work for today in 2016, back in 2002, just saw this kid who was running around doing a million different things. And they said to me, we're starting a radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. It was the largest market in the country without a sports radio station dedicated to the market at the time. And we're starting a station from scratch. We'd like you to be a part of it. And I said, well, what does that mean exactly? And they said, we want you to do sales during the course of the day and host a show at night. Now, sales, for somebody who wanted to be on the air exclusively since nine years old, is basically a curse word. You don't understand what that means at that time. You think that indicates bad things when clearly I was mistaken. Right. And so I go back. And, and by the way, they told me to their credit, and this is why I love them and why just the two of them run an amazing company, because they basically presented every negative. They said, we want you to do sales. It's going to be really hard. Nobody knows the station. We're starting it from scratch. The station's going to power down at night, ESPN 760 at the time, power down at night where many people are not going to be able to hear you. This is 2003. We're not going to stream the station online. We're not going to really advertise. So basically what they had told me in this job offer was, you're doing sales, which is going to be impossible. We're letting you do a show, which you're not going to have a producer. Really, nobody's going to hear it, and you're doing it because we want you to develop and learn how to do it in front of a smaller audience on purpose, and it's going to be the biggest challenge of your life. So I go home, and I'm still working in Madison at ESPN Radio at the time, and I called my parents, and I spoke to my dad specifically, and he said to me, how does it hurt at 22 years old to learn every side of the radio industry? And then it hit me, and he said, and I thought, you know what, he's right. I took the opportunity and went to Florida, 
in 2003, and I've literally worked for the exact same company ever since. The rest is history, as they say. I wanted to touch on what you do, what your responsibilities are as director of content development for Good Karma Brands, as well as the radio show that you also put together for two hours and some of the different things that go into that. Sure. So we have, we have a great company of great people within the sports marketing realm, and we're lucky enough to have radio stations as part of that, Steve and Greg specifically, and people like Keith Williams and Sam Pines who run our Cleveland market, um, and Ken Rovac and others who run our Wisconsin markets, that we're able to have a great team of people putting great people in place and developing them. So we run a company in which we happen to have radio stations, and I've been fortunate enough to have great people who produce content that as part of our content that we produce every day in Florida from four to six, I've been given up the opportunity and the challenge to work and develop other people, which is so unbelievably exciting and rewarding because my responsibility is making sure we bring in the best possible people who are great at content to produce great content, to be able to reproduce great content all while developing as human beings and as teammates within our culture and our company and all understanding that it is important that if you're a content teammate, that you must care about your partners, advertising partners. You must care about your fans. You must care about your teammates. And if you care about all three of those and you're developed and you're cleared and you're, and you're working in the right direction, then you are really going to have a great opportunity to develop and grow. And so I have the unbelievable fortune of working with people like Jeremy Marks Pelt in, in West Palm, Kelly Berlin in West Palm runs our TV department, Aaron Goldhammer in Cleveland, Gabe Neitzel, Tony Cartagena in Wisconsin, who are all content director types who every day implement systems and cultures and processes to operate their teams, develop their teams, and I get to oversee development of people and content. And so from my perspective, it's an amazing win because you're seeing people grow and develop doing what they love to do, which is the same thing that I love to do. For that radio show, it's a little bit different than what some people might hear if they were to turn you on on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, which we will get into in a little bit. There's sometimes more co-hosts than you currently have. The format and discussions are a little different, not only in the show itself, but because of the platform you guys are on with ESPN, it's a little bit more different than Sirius. How would you describe that makeup and the type of tone you guys try to set for that show? Yeah, I would describe it in many ways the same as Morning Men from a standpoint of working with great people who are all in it to develop, get better, and appeal to the masses as much as we possibly can. Right. Working with people like Mike and Andrew and Steve Torrey and Steve Cohen in the morning, we're doing the same thing as working with Joe Colella, Brian Rowitz, Stephanie Prince, John Martin, and others every day in the afternoon because we're all putting in effort, we're all planning, and we're all trying to get better every single day for our fans, teammates, and partners. And I think that the difference would be on SiriusXM, there is a platform that, that we are lucky enough to be on that allows a little bit more risk-taking because of the encouragement of the SiriusXM brand, which is a great, amazing brand of try this, try that, so on and so forth. And I think the amazing thing is not only am I lucky enough to be a part of the SiriusXM brand, to be a part of the Good Karma brand and ESPN brand to do a four to six show in Florida is awesome because it challenges you to try different areas of things. I mean, it's a local Florida show. So we have amazing talent 
in South Florida from a high school perspective. And I'm not saying we're breaking down games, but at least on the 4 to 6 show, we're talking about people that are playing sports in high school at the scholastic level, that especially football, that are going to be playing on Saturdays and Sundays. So being conscious of things like that, it's also understanding that there are different people involved with both shows. It's playing to the personality. It's playing to the strengths of both. And it's using different sides of my own personality. And I think everybody, you, you have it, anybody has it, where sometimes you feel like this, and sometimes you feel like that, and sometimes you like talking about this, and sometimes you like talking about that. And I think, you know, I'm extremely lucky to have the opportunity to do both, where I could have fun in the morning doing non-sports, and I can have fun in the afternoon doing sports. Or there may be some days where in the morning we're doing sports, and in the afternoon we're not. And maybe the most rewarding part of this is the fact that the serious XM team that I'm a part of also is friendly with and knows the good karma team. And the fact that those two teams have kind of united is really rewarding. Was it difficult at all to make that small transition or large transition from a small market show where you're dealing mostly with Miami and the surrounding areas to moving to Sirius where you're on a national basis now. How was that transition for you to be able to switch gears like that and be able to deal with more in the sports world? So my two people that I would look at from the Florida show's perspective and Good Karma's perspective is my coaches in essence, Craig Karma and Steve Palatiner. A few years ago, unbeknownst to me, prepared me for the serious XM opportunity without me knowing for it. And what I mean by that is they said, we think because Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast and the market we're not we're in is not Miami, we have so many transplants that are there that you can have New Yorkers, people from Jersey, people from Connecticut, Pennsylvania, the Midwest, the West, that nobody is just from Palm Beach County or the Treasure Coast. So why don't we localize a national show? So what does that mean? And they said, why don't we talk about the topics that instead of the uber-local Miami topics, which I consider regional more than local, let's talk about what everyone's talking about. Let's talk about the national big picture stuff, because on a given Thursday afternoon, you go to, you know, you go to your local sports bar, in our case, it's Duffy's, a, sports, a great sports bar and restaurant in South Florida. You walk in there, and it's not, not everybody's talking Miami sports. People could be talking about the Mets or the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets. So why don't we just kind of tip that and do it on a local level where people could see you in the community or hear you on the radio or see you on TV or whatever it may be and talk about big picture national stuff. So we did that. We did that for a few years. We, we basically did uber, uber local, the high school stuff that I mentioned, as well as national, but didn't do as much regional. We talked a ton about the heat because the Heat became a national team right? when LeBron and Wade and Bosch were playing together. And so that was, it just happened to be an hour drive from where we live. And so I was kind of preparing for doing a national show before I realized what I would have the opportunity to do. So in many ways, I credit Steve and Craig. And then the people that I was doing the show with and still are doing the show with, people like John Martin and, and Brian Rowitz and Joe Coel and Ken Levick and Stephanie Prince and all these people, like, we were getting our show ready for a national show. I just happened to be the name that represents our local show nationally. So the transition to Sirius would have to start with, first, the phone call. And I'm sure you were getting 
several offers as your show progressed and got better throughout the several years you were with Miami. How were you contacted for the Mad Dog Sports Radio position, and who made that phone call to you to offer the opportunity to go to Sirius? So it is a really weird story that is so happenstance and chance and how lucky I got, but I will take you back since I don't know that this story has really ever been told fully on the air. So in 2004, I believe, I went to the Super Bowl. Steve and Craig took me to the Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Patriots and Eagles. And I was sitting in the stands, and I was cheering for the Patriots, and the person sitting in front of me looked behind me, and he said, are you Evan Cohen? And I said, is this a bit, come on, who put you up to this? Like, there's no way I'm getting recognized five hours away from where I live. It happened to be a guy who was from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, who listened to the afternoon show, recognized my voice, guy by the name of David Miller. We started talking, and he was telling me he enjoyed the show, and we just, I found out about his life, he found out about mine, and sporadically over the years, we kept in touch. He happened to have told me that his best friend that he went to college with at Tulane was Bruce Murray. Now, Bruce has been on Sirius for a long time, one of the, the lead voices on NFL radio, of course. And Bruce was on Mad Dog at the time. He was hosting a show with a guy by the name of Bill Pito, who's a big-time guy in New York, MSG, does Knicks and Rangers, and has a huge TV job. So Bill Pito was doing both, I guess, for a while. I guess Bill went exclusively to television. This is now in 2010, 2000, yeah, 2010, late 2010, I think, or maybe 2011, I don't even remember. So all of a sudden, I get a call from David Miller, and he says to me, and I spoke to him once or twice a year, probably. He said, you know, I've always told you about Bruce Murray. I said, yeah, he's great. He said, well, he's going to have an opening as a co-host. I said, okay. He said, I'd like to really pitch you. Even though I'm not involved, he's my friend, and I'd like to really pitch you for this. And I said, well, that is unbelievably flattering, but let me just make sure that it's okay with the team that I'm on. Now, at that point, I was doing ESPN Radio part-time stuff, nights and weekends. I was doing stuff in Miami on WQAM station there. I had just finished up doing stuff on Fox Sports Radio. I was on TV every night at 10 and 11 on Fox 29 and WPTV News Channel 5. And I was doing play-by-play for Florida Atlantic University basketball. So I had a million other things that I was doing and we were a part of as part of our team in ESPN West Palm and Good Karma. So I said, let me just run everything by them. So I ran it by my by Steve and Craig. And they said, yeah, let me, why don't you, why don't you see what it is? He reached out to, to Bruce. Bruce reached out to Steve Torrey. Steve Torrey reached out to me. And started talking to Steve. And then Steve and Craig actually, basically, in essence, if you want to look at it this way, served as my agent and started talking to management but serious. Now, I just want to stop for a second because think about this for, for one split second. My bosses at one job were representing me to try to get another job. And if anybody wants to understand the kind of company that I have worked for and been a part of since 2003, that's all you need to know. The two people that I report to were doing everything in their power to help me get a better opportunity. Unbelievable. That doesn't happen. That never happens. And so, you know, secondarily, has been my example, and I've prided myself in doing the same if I can help others do the same kind of thing within our company. So there's a back and forth that goes on between SiriusXM and Good Karma, and I was made an offer to co-host with Bruce. And I said to both parties, I said, I want to do both if I can. From here, you guys work this out. If you can work it out, I'll do both. If not, I stay as is. 
wasn't a demand or anything like that. It was basically, I wasn't going to leave one job for another job, despite the other job potentially paying me more, being in a city that I was from. It would make more sense potentially for my family long term. It didn't matter. I had no interest in ever leaving. Still don't. Good karma. So somehow they worked it out. And then two weeks prior to my start date with Bruce, all of a sudden I got a call from Tori who said, there's going to be a change. They're moving some things around. Jason Horowitz, who's a great guy I've gotten to know recently, actually, was moving from Mad Dog to NFL slash college slash ultimately now Bleacher Report. He hosted in the afternoon. And that they were mainly concerned now with putting somebody next to Steve. And so two weeks before I actually started, my shift got changed without ever working a shift. But literally my hiring at Sirius XM goes back to 2004 being recognized, or five, whatever it was, recognized at the Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Eagles. So you were with the show, Phillips and Cohen in the morning, and then Steve ended up making the switch to MLB radio, and mm-hmm. that put you in the need of a co-host. Were you part of that discussion process of who would fill that morning show spot, and how did Mike Babchek, your current co-host now and producer at the time for that morning show, end up getting into that position? When we did Evan and Phillips, I think for, what, four years, we, both Steve and I and Mike and Eric and Tony and Andrew and everybody was a part of it, felt like we were really growing and growing. And we felt like every day we were getting better. And Steve got a great opportunity to go over to MLB Network Radio and host the show. So there was theoretically a slot available. I think that understanding what Mike was and what Mike could be was key in all of this. When I first started and I got switched to the morning, Steve Torrey literally warned me in a positive way. He said, you have to understand, Mike is different. He's not the norm, but he's damn good. And so I think early on, it was easy to see what Tori told me because Mike's talent is through the roof. He's the single most talented person I've ever worked with in radio. I have never worked with someone that could co-host a show, do updates, answer calls, run a board, and be insanely memorable every second of the day. I've just never seen anything like this. He is literally one, one in a million. There's a million versions of me, but there's no bad check. Like there's no version of bad check. There's just not. And so when Steve got the great opportunity to go to MLB radio, we sat there and Tori and Cohen, myself and Mike, and we just, you know, really kind of thought it all out. And the person I really ultimately give a lot of credit to is dog, because I'll never forget the day that Steve moved over and told us dog called me and he said, do not let anything happen without talking to me first. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's okay. If Sirius wants to pitch you ideas and you want to pitch serious ideas, do not let anything happen without talking to me first, because if you don't want something, I don't want you to have to have it, which was unbelievably reassuring knowing, well, I have the support of a guy that I idolized that, you know, 10 years old, my dad took me to a sports channel America show that he hosted on national television that I went and watched in the studio audience and has a picture of my bedroom with me at nine or 10 years old and dog. Since I'm literally nine or 10 years old, like autographed picture of dog. That guy has my back in this situation of let's, build this and think about this together. And I think everybody started to see what that check could be. And I think Tori pushed for it as much as anyone. I think they all understood, let's let this happen. Let's see what this is. And I would say that rightfully so, they looked at us and said, prove it. Let's see. This is what you guys want. Let's see. And I think now that they're 
completely bought in at making the show better every day and believe in Mike. So I think it was, I give them a lot of credit because they rolled the dice with something that maybe they weren't 100% sold on. Tori was, but I don't know that everyone was sold on it from the get-go. I think that they rolled the dice in something that they weren't sold on and let us prove it. And I think and I hope we prove that we can build on this. Since some of the name dropping happened there, I just want to give people an idea. You mentioned how great your relationship is with the people at ESPN in Miami. It's is equally as great as your relationship is with the folks at Sirius XM. Steve Torrey, the program director for the station, senior vice president of sports programming, Steve Cohen. Both are on your show off and on. You guys have a great relationship. And those guys really care about the show. They listen. They don't just take things for granted with it. They offer ideas. I just wanted you to talk a little bit about your relationship with them. My relationship with Tori and Cohen, uh, well, Cohen goes back years because I knew Steve Cohen a little bit before I came to SiriusXM because he knew and knows and is very close with Steve Palacier and Craig Carmazin, my bosses and best of friends at Good Karma. So, which made everything a lot easier when I ultimately got there, knowing that there was a previous relationship with him to some extent. Tori, I did not know. I think that the reason that we have a good relationship, and maybe people look at it as different uh, than typical boss-employee, which we don't look at it that way necessarily. We just look at it as we're, we're members of the same team. And I think the key is they're in on what we're doing, and we're in on what they're doing relative to our show. Right. So when we have a big idea of, hey, we may really try to shake things up here by going in this direction, we want to clue them in a little bit. Now, there's obviously, as hopefully people have heard who are listening to your podcast, there's certainly those spontaneous moments where the other day when we had Steve Phillips and Todd Hollingsworth on from LB Network Radio, Steve Cohen hated it. Not that we had them on, but the way we did it and came down and told us that. But I think that's just real life. Like I think a lot of times... If anyone has a boss and things don't go well, their boss is going to tell them that. And I think that that's the key in understanding that's real life. So I think our relationship with them is just so real and it's real life, and we just play it out on the air. And I do consider both of them friends, Steve Torrey and Steve Cohen, and it's certainly evolved and developed over the course of time. But I, I don't think relationships really can be great unless you have those disagreements of, what if we do this? You want us to do that. We want to do this. We're butting heads in this. Let's come to some common ground here of how we figure out how to make this great for the team. And we've had many of those with both of them. And it's been great because it teaches us both how to, to work better with one another. And we just, I've been very lucky to work for people that root for their own team, which sounds stupid. But why would Steve Torrey and Steve Cohen not want our show to be successful and not want Mad Dog Sports Radio to be successful? Why would Steve Pollock Sr. or Craig Carmazin not want Good Karma Brands to be successful? And I, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm used to, I've been lucky enough to have associated myself with people that root for their own teams. So now that you've painted a picture of both shows, I'm interested to know what your typical day is like or what your typical radio week is like. You have a show in New York. You have a show in Miami. The traveling was probably a lot easier years ago, but now you have two very young children at home. How are you able to balance that and be able to do all of the different opportunities and responsibilities that you have to do now working in this radio industry? Well, I think that starts in terms of my schedule with my wife, who... I've had a crush on my wife since I was a little kid. I've known her my whole life. 
when I went to visit University of Wisconsin as a senior in high school, she took me around because she was a freshman there to show me around everywhere. And I've literally, like, loved her forever. Like, And so having her supports me every second of every day and being willing and able to understand I've got to do this and I've got to do that, all while I have to understand also. I mean, she's successful in what she does. So, you know, we, we play off of each other with that. The travel is made easier because of the fact that we can go home either place. I mean, we're lucky enough to have a place in Florida and a place in New York. And so we go back and forth a bunch. Um, once my son starts school, like, kind of full-time, then obviously it's going to be a little bit easy, uh, a little bit harder, and uh, I should say. And I will probably have to go on more solo trips, whether it be to New York or Florida, Wisconsin, Cleveland, wherever I go. But, I mean, this is not really work. When you wanted to do something since you're nine years old, then you're, you're told, hey, can you go to Florida for this event? Can you go to Wisconsin for this event? Can you go to Cleveland to help this group of people try to get better? Can you sit in on a session where you're bouncing ideas off of this person and that person's bouncing ideas off of you? Can you go to SiriusXM to do a national radio show? Can you go to ESPN West Palm and be a part of a station that you were on the team that started in 03? I just don't, I don't know where the bad move is there. So when it's traveling and managing time and managing experiences and things like that, like, I don't know what would be bad as part of that. So like, it's, to me, it's easy to justify and understand like what I'm doing and how I'm doing and how lucky I am to get to do it. What I strive to be and associate myself with and surround our teams with are all the time people. So when you ask about my day and how I break it up and this, that, this thing, it's, I'm trying to get better and trying to get our teams better all the time, it doesn't feel any different if I do two shows a day and have phone calls and watch games and go to dinner with my wife, whatever it is. Like, that's what I do. That's what I want to do. And that's what I've always wanted to do. I want to be that all the time person. I never want to stop. I don't want to ever be around people that don't want to be all the time people. And so, yeah, I wake up early, but like somebody's waking up earlier. I stay up late. Somebody's staying up later. I do a lot of calls during the day. Somebody's making more. I want to strive to be that, like, better than what I've done. Somebody's doing a significantly better job than I am and that we are, and I need to work, and we need to work to get better to do what they do. So even if I'm waking up at 4 something in the morning and getting to the studio and doing a show from 6 to 10 and doing calls between the two shows and then calls afterwards and games, whatever else, somebody and some team is doing more. So I want to do it all the time. So you come from ESPN and go to Sirius XM. People listen to Mike and Mike in the morning as their go-to morning show. They're on nationally. They're easy to get to. They're even on TV. You guys develop the morning men, and you pretty much flip the script on how they do their show because it deals not only with sports, it deals with pop culture, it deals with the current goings-on in the world that aren't necessarily what you would see on the front page of the sports section every day. How were you able to evolve the show and evolve the way you've become a broadcaster with the Morning Men? So I think that when you look at morning radio, there are so many successful, great shows that we can learn from. Mike and Mike's been doing it for 15 years. They have an amazing chemistry. They have an amazing friendship. They're technically sound. They have the biggest and best guests. They're unbelievable at repackaging and repurposing audio. They're unbelievable at making sure that they know new people are tuning in every single day. They are phenomenal. You can learn so many things from them. Howard Stern's the single greatest radio broadcaster of all time, and to me, there's not a close second. Every second someone can listen to Howard, they should. 
So in no way, shape, or form would I ever in a million years think that anyone should listen to us over them. What we try to do is just be ourselves. So if we can appeal to the masses, if we can care about our fans, advertising partners, and teammates, we're going to be in good shape. And I think that what Mike and Andrew have really helped with me specifically in this case is just being me and not trying to be what I thought radio broadcasters should be and just allowing me to be me and understanding that a diehard sports fan is not 24-7 only thinking about sports. So I learned a great lesson from the single best host in Good Karma, Tony Rizzo in Cleveland, that think about what's going on on network television. Think about what TV stations are doing to really get people in. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, why do you think there's food programming on every single channel now? People care about food. That's not the exclusive reason that we talk about food. It was a wake-up call as to people care about food. People care about themselves. People care about day-to-day life activities. So I think if you look at us, we're ourselves. We care about our fans, partners, and teammates. We try to appeal to the masses. And we also don't shy away from we're fans of Mike and the Mad Dog. We're fans of Howard. We're fans of Mike and Mike. We're fans of Levitard. We're fans of these shows that do things right. And if we can take a little here, take a little there, I don't mean rip off or copy. I'm just saying understand that's why that worked. That could work with us if we do this in our way because they spoke to their fans this way. Let's try to do it in our way. And I think we all learn from each other. And so... I, I would never say, don't listen to this show or don't listen to that show. I would say that we may be, would be an alternative to Howard. Maybe we're an alternative to Mike and Mike. Maybe somebody would actually prefer us. I don't know why, but maybe they would. And I think for, from our perspective is, if we could be that show that makes people feel like, hey, I'm a part of that, I'm part of that community, I can talk to them, they can talk to me, so on and so forth, I think we're going to you know, have an opportunity to grow and succeed and win. I think you were lucky enough to see that firsthand earlier this year when I had the opportunity to meet you and Mike, as did what's been deemed Foul Nation, the loyal listeners and family of the Morning Men show at Falcon held in New York City. What does it mean to you to have such a strong following and to be able to interact as closely as you are able to with so many of your listeners, whether it's on the phone or through Twitter, and just have them with you really every day that you're on there? It means that we got to get better because now we are extremely lucky to have people like yourself and others who care about us and we care about them. So it means that we got to work even harder to understand that there's expectations for success and use the word family, which I love that you use because we feel that. And to see all of the people that showed up for us, it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But the, the greatest part maybe John, was to see the people show up for each other. I mean, you've become friendly with some of the other people. They've become friendly with each other. And I think that's as rewarding as anything else. I listen to the radio. You listen to the radio. But to see people who like the same things become friendly as a result, it's kind of awesome. And, you know, there were some moments where you sit back and say, wow, this is really, really great. Andrew, Mike, and I privately shared a moment that night where we just kind of pulled each other inside and said, like, you know, we did it. 
But now, like, we got a show Monday. Like, how are we going to take this and make this better on Monday? Right. I don't allow for much more than a moment, if that. It's probably a flaw in my personality. But it was it was amazingly rewarding. And I think what's even more rewarding is to see how many of you guys have become friends and connected as a result of listening to this stupid show. We mentioned the importance of Chris Mad Dog Russo, not only in getting you involved with broadcasting, not only in being the namesake for the channel, but he also holds a major role in the humor of your show, where you guys are able to play some clips from his previous day shows or previous year shows, where he might stumble over a word or say something that he might not have meant. I asked this to Mike last week, and I wanted to know your favorite Mad Dog rant, but the caveat to that is to also give that rant in your best impression of Chris Mad Dog Russo. Oh, gosh. Um, you can I'm think of the rant think. first and then kind of prepare well, yourself and get ready to go. most recently, the, it's not Bob Skaronsky, that one. That, it's not Jerry Kramer. It's not Buddy Zeller, who's a golfer, wasn't it? That one recently, I feel like, for the Packers Super Bowl question, the Marquis side, That's was goodness. really the one that we just we loved recently. I mean, do you remember the 2001 Mariners where he randomly asked Rick Barry, Hall of Famer, Golden State Warrior, do you remember the 2001 Mariners? Well, no, why would Rick Barry remember the 2001 Mariners? I mean, that doesn't make sense. So I think those two recent, I mean, all time, his Pac-Man Jones one was amazing. His, you know, his one about the the Giants before they had won seventy five World Series here was pretty amazing. I think that I mean he's had so many of them, and he's just I mean he's an icon. He's a he's a legend. He was he's who I wanted to be my whole life, and now being around him and you know there's so, I've had so many great moments and stories with him. I mean from first time I ever talked to him on the phone was June second of I remember the day. I'll tell you why in a second. June second of two thousand eleven. My grandfather had passed away the year before. My grandfather and I were extremely close, you know, along with my dad, like my best friends in the world before my wife. And my grandfather and I were insanely close. And my grandfather's birthday was June 2nd. And Dog called me that day to basically confirm that I was going to, like, take the job. And it meant something to me because, like, it's just that happened for a reason. The fact that my son is born and a few weeks later, all of a sudden, I see a package that comes into our apartment from Chris Russo. And I turned to my wife. I said, is this really happening? Did Mad Dog Russo just get my kid a gift? Did that really happen? And it did. Or when, you know, he had the Mike and the Mad Dog reunion show, and he specifically came up to me and said, here, this is going to mean something to you. I want you to have this. And he gave me, basically, I had every piece of access that he had that night. I was at his pre-party. I was at the, you know, like 10 different things that he specifically gave me because he understood how much I appreciated what he'd done in his career to open the door for people like me to be on his channel. So he's meant everything for us. Well, you had a much better view than me because I was in the upper deck of Radio City, <laughs> way in the back. So well, I, I, I would have been right there with you if I wasn't lucky enough to have a great team of people to, to get me to this place. What a crowd that was, to say the least. For the interview yeah, I process, I wanted to get your mindset and how you guys attack who comes on your show because the guests that you guys have aren't necessarily specific to the morning men but they seem to fit different ways of thinking that you guys are about whether that's an athlete or an actor or a celebrity it's not the typical questions that you usually hear from hosts when they have a celebrity or an athlete on their program i'm just interested to know 
what the preparation is like. How much do you guys research and prepare? And how much is just off-the-cuff conversation getting them to be comfortable and in turn often ending up with some pretty great stories? So I think that that's evolved a lot over the course of time. I think that we used to, Mike Andrew and I used to, prepare interviews as here's the person's bio, here's every stat about them, here's every fact about them. And I think that we just realized, like, I don't know that we're really getting anything out of that. So I think that what we try to do now is plan the spontaneity of, like, what do we need to ask this person? Or what do we need to get into with this person that may be memorable, may stand out, may be worthy of taking 10 to 15 minutes away from whatever else we're doing? I think that our thought process is very much, how do we make this person relatable? There's a, it's a weird thing to bring up, but I'm not sure if they still do it, but they did back in the day. Us Weekly, the entertainment magazine, does a thing at the end of the magazine where they have pictures of celebrities doing things that you and I would do. Right. So they would have, you know, Tom Brady going food shopping, and they literally call it, they're just like us, right? So if our philosophy is, can we make this person who is a, potentially an A-list guest or who everyone knows who this person is, can we make this person feel just like us? And if we can, it just kind of blows people's mind. And I mean, but I studied this stuff from a standpoint of there's no better interviewer than Howard Stern. He's the single best interviewer that's ever lived. I listen to con- I listen to Howard interviews and Howard content all the time just to learn from how did he get out of this? How did he make this person feel comfortable here? You know, what did he do in this angle? Why did he do this? Why did he play that game? Why did he do- just so many great uh, opportunities to study the craft. Not many people, like doctors can't necessarily go and watch other doctors' surgeries. We're in radio. We're in content development. We can listen and watch other people's content and learn from it. And he's the best ever. So much of that is just making the person who we're interviewing just like us and planning spontaneity more than planning questions. Have you ever been able to interview Howard Stern? And is that on the top of your list of things to do, if not? I've never interviewed him. I've never really thought about interviewing him as much as I've thought about just like, I don't even need to talk to him. I would just want to watch like, what the process is that goes into it. Babs makes fun of me a lot because I say all the time, I'd rather watch a practice than a game. Because the game is the end result. I'm, I'm, I'm many times more interested in the process. Right. So I'd love to sit in, in the meetings and here's why we're going to do this. Or I'm sure they get A-list celebrities pitching them to come on the show that they turn down. I'd love to know what's the thought process, what goes into that in order to make that happen. And I think that that part is what I would love more than interviewing him. It's a similar thing when it comes to your callers. It's basically in a way, a short interview, depending on what they have to say on their end. And it seems like on The Morning Men, you're in charge of sort of guiding those on-air conversations from how much time you might give a caller to when it might be time to cut things short. Could you take us through that process of interacting with the callers, how that relationship goes each morning when you're getting tons of different phone calls for four hours? I think that, you know, when you look at what we've done in terms of the evolution of the interaction on the show, it's not just calls, it's tweets, it's Facebook, it's everything. And I think that make everything memorable, you know, understand that people are listening for a short period of time and that how do you say, all right, so here's five minutes that somebody's going to have to listen. Can we make John in Pennsylvania as interesting as an A-list guest? Uh, John Pennsylvania may be calling about any uh, football topic or starting quarterback battle, whatever it is. 
can we go deeper? Can we find something with John? Or can we just move on to the next person? Or understand that anything can be memorable. Somebody ordering food, not realizing we had picked up the phone, I'm listening to them order at a drive-thru a Saturday. Somebody falling asleep on the air with it. I mean, like, understand, and this is so much of a credit to Andrew and Mike because they recognize this stuff as much or more than I do and, like, will keep them on and push for them to keep going or just coming up with the on-the-fly stuff that we can do. And it, but, again, it goes back to, like, can we just make that moment memorable for those people who have a five- or ten-minute commute to work or may put a song when Howard's in a commercial or whatever it is, like, how do we keep that? It can't just be straight, let's do this, and you do that, and that's it. A lot of your listener interaction comes through Twitter, but instead of me going through your mentions and some of the trolls you have to deal with throughout the day, I wanted to do some detective work instead because your Twitter bio is made up of nine acronyms instead of any words or descriptions, and I want to go through them with you and decipher what they all mean, if that's okay, if they're not some secret code that we can't can discuss. I, can I tell you something? I will 100% do that. You're the first person ever to ask me about that, and I've always wondered why people who tweeted me have never asked me that. The first thing I thought of when I started following you on Twitter is, what are these? I know a couple, but I, I can't be necessarily sure of the rest. So here we go. The first one is GKB. Good common branch. Easy enough. Second, UUB. 106.3 FM, ESPN 106.3 in Florida. Those are the call letters. EFL is number three. Call letters of ESPN 760, which is now a deportation station that we have in Florida, which was the first station that we started uh, in Florida. So we have two stations there, 760 AM, 106.3 FM. EFL would be the call letters for that station. SXM. Serious XM. I think we know that one. MDR. Well, it should be MDSR, but Mad Dog Sports Radio. Mad Dog Radio. Right. You only have a certain number of characters, though, so that's okay. <laughs> the next one is NY. New York. WPB. West Palm Beach. UW. University of Wisconsin. And SHS. Scarsdale High School, where I went to high school. I think those are a lot easier now that we've had the majority of this conversation. So maybe I should have did that in the beginning because now everybody would be like, no, oh, that was obvious. Fascinating. Basically, it's, this is kind of what I am that helps make who I am. You know, the Twitter bio, my bio is those are all my, that's my thing. That's you. That's my connection to, to the world in essence through those things, non-family. You know, that's my thing. Went to Scarza High School, went to University of Wisconsin, spent time in New York, spent time in Florida. Those are my direct stations in many ways, and those are that's where you can hear me and find me and where my life is played out. So much like your co-host, Mr. Mike Babchek, Foul Nation, and some of your co-station workers have come through with some questions that they would like to ask as well. And the first one is from Mr. Bill Zimmerman, the executive producer of Chris Russo's show, Mad Dog Unleashed, weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Small shout out to them. He brought back the discussion you had a couple weeks ago when you were associating different foods with athletes and billy z wants to know if he was a food what food would he be well billy z is a chicago guy so i would say billy z is a deep dish pizza a lot of people think it's the best pizza in the world and some think you'd rather a new york style better bill's style is different than the next person's style but bill bill's really good so i'd say bill would be chicago deep dish pizza 
Jared Moore, the executive producer of Mad Dog Sports Radio's Shine on Sports with Adam Shine, which follows your show each weekday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. He wanted to ask, do you miss Babchek's Big Board? And in answering that, you would have to then explain to the listeners what Babchek's Big Board was. Yeah, so and it's actually a really good question that I'm sure Jared meant as a, as a joke, but Babchick has done a couple of things that really are so smart and that I think we've crafted into why are we just limiting it to that. So basically, I'll start. Babchick used to do a public access television show back in the day. And in preparing to work with him, I started you know researching and Googling him and things like that. And I saw that that came up. And one of the things I, I said to him early on is, I think you should stop doing that. And he said, why? And I said, because that needs to be a part of our show. He did very much, you know, every man, per, every person talk. He did bits and ideas and things like that. That why are you why are you using it there versus using it where you're paid to use it? That was number one. Number two, Babs is big board. They're just like the five things he would do it every Thursday. The five things that he just like are on his mind during that that day or that week, and he'd write them down. Just have random things like, you know, he talk about a, a pretty model. He talk about food. Everybody would talk about, and so. I think we just realized that like, we should not be limiting it to that. And I think that's this idea of coming up with the, why don't we just talk about what we're into? Because if we're like our audience and our audience is like us, they're probably into it or opinionated on it as well. So I don't miss it because I feel like it happens every day. Lisa from Mushware has one. Hi, John. Hi, Evan. Lisa from Mushware. My question for Evan is, if you weren't a radio personality, what would you be? I guess when I was growing up, I wanted to go two diff- one of two different directions, kind of. I either wanted to be Mike and the Mad Dog slash Howard Stern or Norman Dale, Gene Hackman's character from Hoosiers. I think I'm pretty damn lucky in that I kind of can be both here and that I have the ability to have the, you know, be a content provider like Mike and the Mad Dog or Howard, as well as be a coach like Norman Dale within my content development role in Good Karma. So a lot of the things that I would strive to be, I've had the opportunity to try to be. I guess basketball coach, baby, would be something that I would try to be. I once tried, actually, I don't even know if I've ever told this story. I once interviewed to be a student manager for the Wisconsin basketball team just to work alongside, or not alongside, but to to be an intern or whatever you want to call it for Dick Bennett, the head coach of the Badger basketball team at the time. So I would say basketball, something basketball related. Fell 25 texted in and wants to know if you could shadow Bill Belichick for a week, any week of your choosing, but you had to leave your two children with Mike Babchek to babysit, would you do it? So I, I trust Mike with my life, and I trust my children's life lives with Mike. So as long as my wife was okay with it and she got the benefit by doing this, if she was able to do something that she wanted to do, and it worked out for both of us, I would have zero issue leaving my kids with Mike. Matt, a.k.a. Packers fan from Texas. Evan, what is the most embarrassing moment that you've had in your career, and what did you do to fix the mistake to move forward? I would say my most embarrassing moment was something that I created and it was my fault, which I'm not sure if that's part of the definition. I guess embarrassment could be something you've done to yourself. I guess shameful, embarrassing, regrettable, disappointing moment was there's a point where my show or show in Florida was three hours and it got cut to two hours. And this is before I started it serious. And I didn't understand why. 
And I really kind of, for the first and only time in my entire career, borderline as much as I knew how to do it, rebelled against quote-unquote management, even though I was an am part of management. I didn't agree with the decision. I didn't understand the decision. The decision was a lot had a lot to do with just how I was acting and how I was treating people not as well as I should have been. And I didn't get it then. And now I totally get it because the only way I ever would have changed would be to take a hit on the show. And by having to get the show cut to one hour, it was a lot of reflection of what am I doing? What am I doing right? How am I doing it? How are we doing it? How did I just hurt others by doing this? How was I hurting others in the past by acting whatever way I was acting? And I would say that still is my most embarrassing moment because I put myself and our team in a position to be less successful before that happened, while that happened, and slightly after that happened. Now, I'm thrilled that it happened because it taught me a lot of lessons. But at the time, it was embarrassing. UConn Al chimed in. UConn Al from Connecticut. Evan, do you secretly enjoy and like my dirty tweets? I think Al is very, very, very funny. Caitlin in Connecticut. Hi, John. This is Caitlin in Connecticut calling. I have a critical question for Evan. Evan, F, Mary, kill. Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Ian Ziering. Go. Okay, so I'd kill, sorry, I'd kill Ian Ziering. I would marry Tom and uh, have relations with Michael. The reason I'd marry Tom right this second because he's on a crazy good diet that is really healthy that I want to learn how to get on. And so the, the relations part of it would be the one night I wouldn't learn the other stuff. So that's why. You could have Tom Brady's beautiful children. If things went well with Michael Jordan, you'd, you'd have a great athlete in a child with him. And you've already had Ian on your show. That's an interesting show. question, that's for sure. He can go. Yeah. He's, he's good. He was on already. Yeah, he's done. That's all Foul Nation has, and I want to thank you very much for coming onto the show, for being so open, for telling your story, one that you've told a little bit in the past, but opening up about your life with ESPN, your life with SiriusXM, how both of them have come together and have developed you into a very busy man in the radio world, one that does an incredible job with the responsibilities that you have to do and continues to keep us entertained. So thank you again, sir. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully we I get to catch it, up John. soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Evan. you so much. I appreciate the time. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can listen to this episode and all previous episodes over on my website at londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You can find all previous episodes of The Bridge and rate and review the show over on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast or John Lund Under Artists. You can also find The Bridge on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you'd like to chime in with questions or comments for the show, you can call or text in at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. And the best calls or texts will be read in the next show. And you can also keep up to date with everything going on with The Bridge by subscribing to the show newsletter at londonbridge.com slash email. 
On the next episode of The Bridge, perhaps we will look into what's going on in the National Football League and how training camps are unfolding for some of the better or worse teams. We might take a look in the MLB and see what some of the division races are up to. Perhaps we'll take a look at the men's basketball team competing in the Rio Olympics or whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve. On The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports.